I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast. Think of your favorite one-hit wonder. Or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have. Or that TV show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon. Now what if we could fix it? I'm Francesca Ramsey. And I'm Delon Grant. And after 20 years of friendship, we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called Let Me Fix It. Each episode, we'll dig into our favorite celebrities, shows, and brands of yesteryear, and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today. Think of our show as an intervention, but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. So we talk about what it's like to be sick. Today's guest is Brandon Hollihan. He has hepatitis C. Let's talk about it. That'd be so creepy. <laughs> okay. So we rolling. We All be right, we okay. be rolling. Uh, that's good too. The like the way you're using the mic, like it's it's perfect. We're like that okay. conversation we were just having. He know he he knows. Yeah. Listen, man, I'm a music producer. Um, so that's great. That's a great segue into today's episode. We've got a music producer who's uh, also a drug addict uh, and a Hep C. <laughs> Well, well, you know, it's funny. Okay. So I actually would, I would like to let's start that over. Well, let's start by saying this. So, uh, so, okay. So generally we, we take every once in a while, we'll take a a guest out the night before or like two nights before have a conversation, um, over like a couple drinks and just to like get a, a general idea of, of what, uh, what to expect for like the episode. Right. And in that conversation that we were having with you, uh, we hardly touched hepatitis C in the slightest, um, which is why we have you on the show. That's true. We got super, super in depth about your um, your troubles with addiction, and that was one of the most like, man, it was one of the most fascinating conversations to have because I've never had a conversation with someone. Hey, I've never had a conversation with someone who was addicted to like, uh, like a, a serious drug. You know what I mean? Most people yeah. that I've had a conversation with who have dealt with addiction, it's with alcohol or, um, that baby stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you were, you were addicted. You were, you were telling us how you were addicted to heroin and that's, and, and it, I was thinking about it after we had spoke and I was just thinking how to, how invisible that is by looking at you, right? That heroin addiction is such, when I think of it, like if I was to, if I was to just think about it in my head of what that looks like, it doesn't look like you, you know no, what I mean? No. Yeah. I, and, I bet and, that, I bet that Brandon would say though, too, that at the, at the peak of that addiction versus now, yes, he probably yeah. looked, you probably looked and acted <laughs> a lot different, a yeah. lot different yeah. than yeah. you totally. look now. Right. You're, totally. you, yeah. And you do, you look like a pretty healthy, fit human being. Very much um, so. but, but even in, even in your conversation about it, uh, you know, like, when we were talking about it, you, you said specifically, you said when you were in the middle of it, in the, in, in the, in the midst of it, um, and you were shooting up and a lot of your other friends who weren't quite at that point of shooting up, but they were, you know, like snorting Coke mm-hmm. or, or I, I guess snorting pills heroin or pill. Okay. Doing a lot, doing of, a lot of pills. Was, you know, and then they see you shooting up and they go, well, fuck Brandon looks good. Like he's, wh- what is he like? 250. Mm-hmm. He, he's, you know, he's like definitely not 250. Well, like <laughs> yeah, whatever, whatever. Okay. Like you're a big fucking dude, yeah. but you were fit and you were looking good and you were shooting up and you said, you said, you know, that they were saying, well, it can't be that bad for yeah, you. He's, he's doing all right. Might as well. Like what's so bad about it? But that's, uh, you know, only in the very beginning. It's very quick. Like, it, it escalates into, you know, losing 60, 70 pounds and being, you know, skinny and none of your clothes fit and you're just like a rake. 
Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't feel good at all. Because like the first time that you, that you experience that, it's, it's a, it's a hole that you, that you, that you just go pretty quickly down. Yeah. And even when, you know, the first time I did it, like I was, you know, had some trouble with other drugs, but I was in like the prime of my fitness ability. Like I was, you know, 220, like six foot three, like I was very fit and very big and cut and to me, it, w- it wasn't really a big deal. It was just like just another drug, and it's just hitting me faster because I'm not taking it any other. You're, you're putting way. it straight into your veins. veins, yeah. You know? So I want to I want to talk more about that as we as we go on, but let's let's take it back to the hepatitis C first. So obviously, I guess the heroin is a progression of the story that <laughs> ultimately ends up with you getting hepatitis C. But do you want to tell us about that? when you realized that you had hep-, hep C? Okay, well, I was 19, I guess, so I had I'd already gotten clean once. I was in rehab on my 18th birthday. And you're what now? I'm 21 now. I turned 22 a couple months. Young, and, young uh, boy. Just young, you know. I started very young, 16, the first time I got high on opiates, I suppose. And it was it was escalated very quickly. I went into rehab when I was 18, had been clean for 18 months, but was still very frustrated with it, was always depressed and just wanted to get high again. I hadn't really gotten over it. And 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 the opiates to you, is it specifically heroin that was very different or is the opiates in general were were harder to kind opiates of Opiates in specific just like any way you do them. Um it's all to me it's all heroin like whether it's oxycotton or hydromorphone or fentanyl or you know percocet if you're crushing it up and shooting it you know having done heroin having done both like i found the prescription pills to be even stronger than the heroin most times because it was you know you know what dose you're taking it's a calculated dose like 24 milligrams of hydromorphone is going to be the exact same the next time you do it every single time yeah and um but so i had been clean for 18 months and then had some troubles i relapsed in september uh was high for a couple months, got convinced to go back to the clinic, went into the clinic to start like methadone. They tested me that day for all diseases and I had now been clean for a week back on the methadone, went back into the clinic to get my dose. This is the methadone clinic. This is the methadone clinic okay. in Halifax, direction 180 yeah. on Goddard Street. Um, I go in there. It's a week now. I've been clean, like seven days clean on the methadone. They I go up to meet the doctor, I get my dose, come back down, and the woman behind the counter says, yeah, Brandon, uh, when you're done getting your dose, the nurse wants to see you. And I'm thinking, oh, man, the nurse has never asked to see me before. Like, this sucks. Like, something is So you fucked. knew something was like, wrong. Like, right away, I knew something was bad. You know, I had never shared needles before. I had never done anything like that, but, it, like, I knew something was up. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. Did, was there anything running through your mind um, of, like, HIV. Oh, yeah? HIV. As soon as they said, Brandon, the nurse wants to see you, I was like, fuck. Fuck, I got HIV. I think I have HIV. Wow. So and so you said that you had never used dirty needles, though. I had before. never shared needles. Okay. That's not to say I hadn't reused my own needles and stuff like that, but you can't contract de- diseases using reusing your own needles. But so I go in, I go in the nurse, I walk into the nurse's office and she says, yeah, Brandon, uh, just curious, there's a nursing student here. Uh, she's just going to sit here and, and observe. Do you mind if she sits here and observe while we have a conversation? So the, amount of, the amount of guests that we've had I who've know. had nursing I students know. in the room during their diagnosis And, it, is and that's crazy. why, because they want to get a feel for how shitty it fucking is. And so I sit down. I said, yeah, whatever. Like, no big deal. I don't care. Like, just what the fuck's going on? And... She says, well, you might want to have a seat. <laughs> just oh, keeps progressing yeah. more and more into like, uh-oh, something bad is going to happen. She says, you might want to take a seat. So I sit down, and she says, all right, uh, well, Brandon, you know we did your blood work last week. Um, we have some news. All your blood work was, was okay, but you actually tested positive for hepatitis C. And <laughs> that's uh, okay? And like- I'm like... And she, at first she yeah. says, yeah, you tested positive for hepatitis C. And I'm like... That's such a weird way to preface this. I'm like, yeah, so you mean positive, like, I'm good? Like, I don't have it? And she goes, no, that would mean you tested negative. You tested positive for hepatitis C, like, you have it. And you're like, God damn it, that's confusing. Son of a Why don't bitch. they do it the other way and around? it just, like, was a wave of fucking shitty feelings. I was like, fuck, like, oh, no. And the first thing that crossed my mind was, 
how long have I had it? Has it been a while? You know, it's been a long time since I got my blood tested. Have I, did I only just catch it recently? Have I had it for like a year? Have I had it for months? Did I pass it? I didn't know anything about it at the time. I was yeah. like, well, did I give it to how- my girlfriend this summer? Like, and that was my biggest concern was, fuck, if I gave this to someone else, like she's never done drugs, had never done anything like that's going to, I'm going to be feel really bad. Yeah. And so did you, what was your like knowledge of hep C when you found out that you had it? Because being in that environment where you're uh, around other people, like in the methadone clinic, lots I, of people have this. I don't, like, I don't know. any. I really don't yeah. know anything about that. Yeah. I had, I really didn't. I knew hep C was a, they had posters for it all over the methadone clinic. Like hep C, get checked, hep C, do this, whatever. Like don't share needles. Don't share smoking, equi- like sniffing equipment. And well, okay. So let's, let's talk about that then. Uh, what, there, okay, so there's hepatitis A. There's hep A, hep B, and hep C. There's okay. There's three of them. I, what I don't do know you, much about. You don't know about a and, no, a and B. I know that you can get them when you go down south, and they recommend. Yeah, yeah you get that's them. all I know. I know the, the commercials and dirty ice cubes. Twin Rex. Twin Rex is what it's called. Right, it's like yeah. contaminated water and food and stuff. I mean, yeah, you get those down south, or if you get a cut or something, I think hep A is like infections, and hep B is like food. And most people are immunized for A and yeah, B. Yeah, right? yeah, like I'm immunized for both of those. Yeah, well, we get that when we're when we were like ten years old at school, right? And then if you travel anywhere, they usually will test you. They'll do you again. So, yeah. so what do you know about Hep C? Um, well, at the time, I didn't know anything. I was fucking really scared. And she just hands me a couple pamphlets and says, "You're gonna be all right. Do you have someone here to take you home?" Like, I was just like, "Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, my mom's outside." They Knowing didn't tell my you anything. Was not outside, and Whoa, I was really pissed off. And I was now, even though I was clean for a week, I was like, "Fuck this! I got Hep C. Might as well just go get high again." And then it was, you know, down the drain again. So it was kind of sucked. But at the time, I was like, fuck it. I'm, my life is over. I have a contagious, infectious disease. Like, I'm fucked. So let's come back to that. What do you know now? About hep C. What, yeah, what can you tell me um, about hep C right now? I know that the majority of people that have hep C are drug addicts. Anyone that I've ever met with hep C is a drug addict, is a heroin addict, or, you know, has caught it through sharing sniffing equipment or, you know, sharing needles and spoons. I actually contracted... sniffing equipment. Can can we talk about that? It's it's blood-on-blood contact. So, whereas, like, HIV doesn't live outside the body very long. Okay. It dies really quick, whereas hepatitis C can live outside the body for something like seven days on a metal object or just a normal, like, on the end of a bill. So, so like blood, like like particles of blood yeah. on a, on a on a bill from someone putting yeah, it near like, their so nose. Yeah, like so if we I snipped sniffed a line of something with a bill and I cut I got a little bit of blood from my nose, gave that bill to someone else and they cut themselves, they would now catch that hepatitis C. Whoa. Yeah, okay. Possibly they would yeah. possibly catch it and. So, like, hep C, I don't know. To me, it's a very complicated disease. Like, there's a lot of different strains of it because it has mutated over the years. The vaccinations that are out are, like, the, the the treatments for it are only for one type. It's for hepatitis It's for hepatitis C, like, type 1 or something. It's the most common type, but there's not tr- cures for other types. And, um, and what type did you have? I have the most common. You had number 1. I had number 1. I believe it's called, number, yeah, type 1 or whatever. Um, but I had the most common type, so I was lucky. But they also, they said, well, listen, we're going to talk to you about it. So hep C, um, it's like you have a 20% chance. 20% of people will beat the hep C. Your body will automatically just fight it, it off. Fight it off. Whoa, that's fucking oh, cool. That's sweet. And I was like, Bodies. I was like, well, I'm a pretty healthy, like I've always been very healthy and fit and other than being a drug addict. But I was like, okay, well, uh, hopefully that'll happen to me, but I, in my head, I was like, "Fuck that! I'm never going to beat it. I'm going to die next week or something from this." And so, so your mental state then at the time was like it, you were pretty pessimistic, I guess, about the totally whole. Well, I was still just getting. I was still right? in the heat of drug addiction and was depressed, and it right. just, I was kind of looking forward to getting clean. And then when they told me I had Hep C, I was like, oh, "Great, just an excuse to fucking get high again." Right. Um, which uh, you, which you're, which you're kind of subconsciously always looking for. At the time, yeah. totally, totally. At the time, yeah. It, with the with Hep C being, uh, I mean, to your knowledge, m- most of the people who are contracting Hep C are people who are are into drug use, sharing needles, sharing you know, mm. uh, sniffing devices or whatever. Is there a lot of? Have you noticed like a lot of stigma attached to the disease? Yeah. Um, like, know, are, is there a, a group of people, people out there getting it that don't fuck with? Drugs? Yeah, well, I don't think... They say you can catch it through any blood. So they say, like, if I have hep C, I should not be... I can't be sharing toothbrushes with people or, like, shaving equipment or anything that gives you the possibility of having fresh blood. Hmm. So if I had shaved, 
you know, with your razor and had hep C and then you shaved with that razor the day after and I had blood on it for me, well then you yeah. could possibly cut yourself and catch and that it. hep C. Right. I don't know I don't know anyone personally that's caught it that way. Um, but they're just also, like screwed, like don't even go near it. Don't do it. So, you know, like it, yeah. I then would have all my bathroom shit separated from <coughs> anyone else. And also the people used to catch it through blood transfusions. I guess there was a big thing with people catching hep- hepatitis C through blood transfusions when it wasn't really a popular, right. not to say popular disease. Popular now. Well, talking about that stigma thing, have you ever Googled hep C? Yes. Okay. So when when you don't do that, well, don't do that. I I did the other day. Uh, When you Google, now this has to be on a desktop. If you're listening, I I highly suggest you do this because I found this to be kind of fucked up. But when you Google certain diseases, uh, on the right hand side of Google, they'll bring up this like little sort of menu, this like Mayo Clinic menu, and it'll give you like the rundown of like uh, the rarity, like if it's rare, if it's common, if it's if it's super rare. Really? Yeah, it'll give you like a rundown on um, treatment, like is it treatable, not treatable. It'll give you a rundown on the like the amount, like a population of the like Americans who who suffer from it. And, and sometimes they'll have a picture. So if you looked up maybe say, um, I don't know, psoriasis, they might have this like, this someone, you know, it's like a, an animated drawing of, right. of a person yeah. with psoriasis on their arm or something. Mm-hmm. When I looked up Hep C, I gotta show it to you. I brought it here. It's, it's, <laughs> I was wondering why you had your. It's this fucking with you. dude. So it, it goes Hepatitis C. And you see the guy. He has and tattoos. They, they put these like, shitty, no. gnarly tattoos on him. Yeah, shitty they, tattoos. And this, track like, marks. Yeah, he's got track marks. He's got this like really shady <laughs> goatee. And when I saw that, I was like, is that okay? No. Like, is that that oh that stereotype? That's that's a stereotype right there. That's yeah. stigma right Fuck there. Google. Yeah, they, it's so it's, it's well, um, it's not Google. It's Mayo Clinic, but well, both of them. But that's so like, dude, so funny. Just for added measure, um, we'll fuck Google too. Yeah, fuck Google. Um, hope they don't shut us down. Um, but yeah, so like okay. I, when I first, I got diagnosed, I went out into the waiting room and the first thing I did was call the girl that I had been dating for the last year and a half. She was now oh, away God. from school, um, living in England. She was like a foreign exchange student. I called and said, you know, I have some really bad news. Like, can you talk right now? And she said... Yeah, like, what's going on? Hurry up. We were, like, not really dating, but I thought it would be good to tell her. Like, yeah, like, I just got diagnosed with hepatitis C. And the first thing she said to me was, wow, you're such a fucking asshole that you would have that and possibly give it to me. And, like, fuck you. And then just, like, hung up. And I was like, oh, you fucker. Was she, did she know about... She didn't know anything about, about it. You didn't know, but she But did she know you were fucking Yeah, yeah, like, when we first met, I had just stuff. gotten a rehab, like, I was right. clean for our whole relationship, and then, so she knew, like, I told her a few weeks before that I had been a relapse, and her response to that was also kind of shitty, it was like, I don't have time for your bullshit. Yeah. And, uh, I was really pissed that that had happened, and then she called me, like, two days later and said, yeah, well, guess what, I googled hepatitis C, and it says it's untreatable, that you can catch it even through, like, touching someone with it. And do you have a weird goatee and shitty tattoos? (laughs) Fuck you. Yeah, actually, that was what I had to tell you, too. I got a bunch of really shitty tattoos and a fucking goatee. I finally grow facial hair. Um, But I mean, I mean, you know, in her defense, someone calls you Mm-hmm. You know, someone that you're, I mean, I'm assuming that you guys weren't really on great terms at this Not point. at the time. No. Right? And someone calls you and is like, hey, uh, I, have you, I have an infectious disease and you're the last person I had sex with and you might have it because I'm not really fully aware on how this disease mm-hmm. works. Yeah. Like, how do you react? Yeah. Right? Totally. How do you react? I mean, sure, reacting time, out like, of anger probably bitch. isn't the best idea, the no. best thing to react. But like, that's such a... Oh man, that's one such of, a that's such a my, fucking crazy one thing. One of my favorite quotes is your anger is only your inability to handle the situation. Totally, I, uh, I like that. I, I told my mom that when she was getting mad at me once and it did not help. About cleaning I thought one of your favorite quotes was motivation is like bathing. You should you do, do it, it every day. day. Yeah. Brian's one of those guys that posts <laughs> quotes on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> 
I have them on. I have them in cursive. He's the quote king. Actually, yeah. I actually opened up a uh, an article from Vice today that uh, was about how people who do that are less intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> that quote. I things? saw that as well. I, I honestly is that for real? That. Yeah. No, fuck that. off. Yeah, is. I'll send that to you. Uh, okay. So anyway, coming back to hepatitis C. Coming back to you. She freaks out. So where, like, what what's going through your mind during all this? I really need to get some drugs. Right. Like it comes back to, I was like, it comes back to, I got to go get high. Um, and I probably went and got high for a few days and didn't talk to anyone or do anything. And then I had a call from the center for disease control. Actually, they called me on my cell phone and I was just driving one day and they called. I said, yeah, like came as like an unknown number, block number. I was like, fuck, like I don't answer block numbers. I don't know who it is. And they called again and then they called again. So I finally answered, and they said, "Yeah, this is you know Sheila or whatever from the Center for Disease Control. Um, we just have it. We just got a report here that you have just been diagnosed with hepatitis C, which is an infectious disease, and we would just like to talk to you about it. We'd like to um, put you in quarantine. Yeah. Oh fuck. Yeah. SWAT is like, on the we way. Need, uh, pull over. You're being followed by health vans. <laughs> and uh, we have you seen the movie Contagion? AKA we don't fuck with this shit. Yeah, AKA you. ambulances. You're contagion now." Um, so she is just like, try starts to talk to me about it. So, you know, do you know when you were diagnosed? I said, well, I just got my diagnosis today. And she said, well, there's a 20% chance you'll beat it in the next three months. I said, okay, well, that's neat. And then I was like, I don't care. Um, I'm, I'm convinced I'm not going to beat it. Like I'm convinced. And then she starts talking about hep, like hep C and how to contract it and how to pass it on. And, um, she says, well, you know, do you share needles with anyone? I said, no. And she says, well, have you ever shared a spoon with anyone that may have had hepatitis C or, you know, shared a bill or anything like sniff with? And, and then I, you then were it like, started kind of mm. coming into me. I could even, I could almost pinpoint the day that I had, would have contracted hepatitis C. No and, way. Uh, it was the only time ever that I had ever used someone else's like getting high equipment. And it was a spoon and I had picked up the spoon and wiped it down with an alcohol swab on both sides and washed it with soap and water and then used it. And now, you know, it was in like the shittiest fucking crack house ever, but that's beside the point. (laughs) And so I tell her this, I'm like, well, yeah, but I washed with alcohol and soap and water. And she's like, well, yeah, just so you know, none of that will kill hep C only bleach kills hepatitis C. Whoa. I was like, Oh man, like that sucks. I was like, well, that's probably how I got it. And she said, well, you know, just to let you know, hep C isn't on the same classification as like HIV you don't have to tell anyone that you have it you don't have to tell your right, parents by law. you don't have to tell friends you don't have yeah. to tell workers you don't even have to tell sexual partners that you have this because it's not because considered it's a sexually not... transmitted disease sure. which yeah. on Google if you Google hepatitis C it says it's a sexually transmitted infection and you'll get it through kissing someone with hepatitis C and don't hug people with hepatitis C and like Wait, don't what? it's yeah like the shit that you'll see on Google is crazy and that's why I don't like the only thing that I've learned to trust is like the actual like CDC yeah, that's like that's why that's why whatever if you have uh you know a cyst on your finger to cancer you can't go online and start looking no. yeah well i mean self diagnosis i mean is never but that's a that's a stigma that's like what i think of it a lot when i think of aids because i remember being educated um as early as kind of like middle school or junior high people telling you that aids is not you're not going to get AIDS from touching, so from holding hands with someone, and I f- and I feel like there was a huge educational campaign around that mm-hmm. at that well, time. Well, because in the '80s, when yeah. AIDS just started yeah, happening, exactly. no one knew anything about it. Same thing. Everyone yeah, thought- so that's what I think of when I think of Hep C. Like, there's so much education to be done about it, and it's I, I feel like it is something because I personally don't know really anything virtually past this conversation about hepatitis C. So, I think that it's really important to let people know that because. People don't know, and they think that yeah. it, it can be trans, yeah. transmitted. Well, even so. even in our, co- our earlier conversation of you talking about how Hep C is a is a you know is contract er, contracted through uh, through blood. In my mind, I was going, yeah, but what about semen? <clears throat> you know, like what about what about saliva? Like how how are those two things separate? They're inside your body, but again, that's just that's yeah, part of the stigma. So that's, that's part of the yeah, Hep C. Is, it's only in blood. I mean. Yeah. Now, possibly, it would be in your saliva if you had a cut in your mouth sure. and you were mixing blood with saliva, sure. but it's not in saliva. It's yeah. not in semen. It's not in your mucus. It's only in blood. It's a, considered a blood infection. And uh, so, yeah, it's 
it sucked being diagnosed with Hep C. At first, I thought it was like the end of the world. I, you know, thought I was going to die. Like I didn't really know what it was, what it was, or you know, what I had just been infected with, and I felt really dirty. Yeah, like really so, yeah. dirty. So I find it really interesting that you contracted from sharing um, equipment. I guess getting high equipment. Yeah, <laughs> is that the drug worst? paraphernalia? <laughs> drug drug paraphernalia. paraphernalia. That's a way better word. Or uh, yeah. So anyway, but you said that opiates are are not a very they're not a very social drug no right? not at all so and how is is it kind of do you get into those through kind of experimenting with friends and then it becomes I, more of a I solo did thing say last night that opiates is not opiates are not a very social drug and not this not in the sense that like when i used to do opiates if you're at we, we had this house that we would always go to and there, you know would always be at least six or seven people in the basement getting fucked up and would be high and nodding off and the guy that owned the house was always asleep on the couch because he's so high and if you came into his house you had to buy him a pill or give him some drugs he was always the highest person there and you know he was like a 50 year old man looked like he was 80 he was i've never seen someone that age look so old like he couldn't walk he couldn't his skin was yellow like he had hepatitis c very he's had it for a long time he was already jaundice, and uh, he actually, I just heard he passed away this sometime this year. I didn't know. Um, Again, back to the other guests that we've had on the show, when, they, when, they're, when they're diagnosed with whatever they're dealing with, it's hard enough as it is to, to make a recovery or to get into a good headspace when, you're not, when you don't have a drug addiction. So trying to deal with hepatitis C and being addicted to drugs at the time and trying to deal with both the addiction and the disease itself what's that like is that dude is that, it, yeah like that's like trying to manage i mean you're managing two diseases and one disease is is a direct fucking like result result of, of the, right, other the other one um well you know like when i that was the thing about hepatitis like it's it's not in the sense of cancer or like hiv where you have to do treatment to just combat your body from not dying like hepatitis c you'll you would not know you have it until many years later and then your livers all of a sudden you're going to start turning yellow and your liver is going to be shutting down and you're sick as fuck and now you have liver cancer and cirrhosis and you need a liver transplant but because you're still infected with hepatitis c they're not going to give you a liver transplant unless you can do the treatment to get rid of it um then maybe we'll talk about the treatment later um but yes living with both of them you know it wasn't on my mind for a long time, but it was also made me just really depressed to constantly think that I have hepatitis C and to constantly now as an also a drug addict and I just be like, Oh yeah, right. Just randomly like, Oh yeah, I have hepatitis or I'd be with a friend that I had told or someone that had found out through someone else who had told them through someone else. And I'd, you know, Hey man, can I have like a, can I have a puff of your cigarette or okay, can I have a drink of that? And they're like, Oh, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't want to, you know, catch what you have. And that was always a really shitty feeling when someone, straight up like looks at you like you're dirty and it's like mm-hmm. i don't want like no super like, you cannot, you cannot touch like don't touch me like don't yeah. you know don't put your lips or your fingers or anything anywhere near me like um which sucked and you know but then it also kind of gave me the chance to uh educate a lot of people and you know just tell them to smarten the fuck up so and, uh like <clears throat> so this is this is two years ago that you're that you're getting the diagnosis ish two years ago ish you're 21 it was when you were 19 yeah it actually would have been it would have been two years two years in october okay so moving forward from here and i know we talked about a couple of treatments mm-hmm. and so over the over the next two years what is the effect and i know like you said it's a silent thing you don't really even really notice you have it other uh, other than that window of a month or two that you get really sick and then it kind of fades into the background yeah so what's the next what are the next uh, like year and a half or so like so i had originally they say like in three months or in six months yeah it's six months after six months if you haven't beat it then you're classified as chronic and then you can get in to see a liver specialist or uh, a hepatologist and they talk to you about the possibility of treatment or what you can do and you know how your liver doing and so in nova scotia they it's really i guess it's really really hard to get treatment and to be put on the list fast and they will give you treatment depending on how deteriorated your liver is oh, okay if you're freshly diagnosed and your liver is in good condition they will tell you to wait because there's someone else that needs the treatment more than you that sounds that's, that is sounds ridiculous. Is that, is that well, because uh, there's like a, a like a wait list, or there's so many people, or I think it's, there's I don't a lack know, it's just of lack of 
resources. Lack of resources. It sounds logical and illogical at the same time. Like treat the treat the cases that are treat the cases that are like heavy right now that are like you know dire and fix the people before they get to that point. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Why? Yeah, but exactly. Don't wait for them to now get progressively worse. Like for their liver to scar more and more because now while people are dealing with this Hep C, if you're a drug addict, you're depressed. You feel sick. You're not going to want to get clean just because you feel dirty all the time. So how did it work for you? Um, so I had moved to Calgary, uh, I had, you know, moved away to try to get clean again. Um, I was in contact with a liver specialist there. He was in Edmonton. I went to meet him. First time I went to meet him, he did all my blood work. He, I sat down, he said, you know, uh, so you have the most common type of, uh, of hepatitis C. We actually have a new treatment coming out in, this was in October. So it was almost exactly a year after I had been diagnosed. He said, we actually have a new treatment coming out. Uh, it's called Harvoni. It's not going to come out for another couple months, but you'd be a you'd be a perfect candidate to do that. And the next time I went up to see him, uh, he did all my blood work. So at the time, my liver enzymes are really high. Like my ALT and AST are both at like 800 to 900, which is really high. Usually they sit around in between 150 or something. So the higher they get is, is bad. The higher they get is bad and your liver is going to be inflamed and your liver is struggling to kind of keep up with your day-to-day functioning. Man, I wonder what my liver's like. And, uh, the amount of fucking antibiotics I take day to day to day. Yeah, so like, my liver was shit at the time and <laughs> they said, you know, like your liver enzymes are in, like, like ridiculously high, yeah. like really, really high. Um, to think that like, Normal enzymes will be around 17, like your level, like my my enzymes right now are at like 16 and 17. Whereas at the time they were at like 750 and 800. Wow. Wow. I feel like some people listening right now are like, wait, what? His, they're 17 now? How the fuck? Yeah. So let's talk about that. So I went to, (laughs) uh, okay. So I went back to see him December. So it's almost been a year now. I... Did my tests again. He said, you know, like I said last time, you'd be a perfect candidate. This is a brand new drug. It comes out in about two weeks. And I think you would be, you'd be perfect to, to start it. Um, you know, the downside is it does cost $55,000 to do, um, which is a lot of fucking money for a drug addict. Yeah. You know, I, find it, I yeah. found it difficult That's to a keep, lot of money to get together $100. For me. That's yeah. a lot of money for a lot of people. <laughs> um, that's what you'd make in a year of winning set for life. I'm pretty sure somewhere around there. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So that's a lot of money. So I didn't win set for life. Yeah. Just so you're wondering. <laughs> nope. um, and but you did. I did actually. Sneak and under. now yeah. I have it. I, I'm, yeah. I am set for life now. I am set for life with my liver. Um, yeah. So I spoke to him about doing the treatment. He wrote me two prescriptions. I had been in contact with my parents for, at the for time. Harvoni. For Harvoni, which okay. is, it's been out for less Sounds than like a year. crime family. So, Sounds like an you, Italian pasta. The, Har, the, Har, the Harvoni <laughs> family. Um, so a how do you, plate of Harvoni how do you, and meatballs. How do you pay for that? Like, do they give it to you? Do they give you the pill and then you get on a payment plan or do you so I had, pay straight up? I had been working out with my, not working out, I had been like discussing with my parents. I was just under 21. It was about four months until I had turned 21. Once I had turned 21 where I was not in school, I would be cut off from their health plan. So I, when I spoke to the doctor, he said, you know, do you have health coverage? I said, well, I'm covered on my parents now, but, you know, in a couple months I won't be. He said, well, we, want, we don't want to start someone on this drug unless they've been clean for at least six months. And, you know, I told him that I had been clean for a few months, but at the time I wasn't clean. And you, you said you had been clean for three months, yeah, but you were still, still using, using in that using, moment. And I was Whoa. still using in that moment and which Fuck. is a risk to take when you start doing a drug like that. So there was now, this is a month because you're using medication. once you start taking Harvoni, there's like, there's risks associated with well, that. Then you reinfect yourself or, you know, like sure. they don't right, want to take that yeah. risk of having someone do a $50,000 treatment. And then halfway through your treatment, you reinfect just, yourself yeah, with you a different strain of hepatitis C or right, something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. so I quit using drugs pretty much like at that time. Um, it was like, I came back home from Edmonton and I had quit using drugs at that time. And was that it? That was like that. That was the end of you using drugs or no, not at that point. Okay. Um, that was almost. And then, so I got back from Edmonton contacted my health insurance provider. I've worked out all the Harvoni. I have p- covered by my, my father and covered by my mother. They were going to split it. The two plans would split it and cover it 100%. Jeez. Um, 
so now, and I know I'm fucking really lucky to have gotten the chance to do that. I was, you know, one of the first people in Canada to get on this treatment. Uh, so it was one pill a day for eight weeks and supposedly Whoa. no symptoms, no side effects. You take it every day at the same time for eight weeks. Jesus I bet, Christ. I bet that's a pill you don't fucking forget cure. to take. Yeah. No, and yeah. that was, you know, and there was one day I went to work, forgot my pill at home, was going to be working through the period of time when I was supposed to take the pill. And I fucking was like, I'm not, I fuck this. I'm leaving. I'm I gotta out. go home. They're yeah. like, I'm not staying for the shift. I gotta go home and take this. And they were like, no, you can't leave. And I was like, no, too bad. Watch yeah. me. I don't, uh, I don't my life you. is this yeah. fifty thousand dollars is more than you're gonna pay me in the next year. So, and this pill that I'm taking today is worth more than I'm gonna make in the next two weeks. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I did that every day for eight weeks. Constant blood work, constant checkups. Um, within the first two weeks of taking the pills, so the day I started those pills, my liver enzymes were at like seven fifty and eight hundred. Two weeks later, I got my two week in blood work, and they were back down to. 15 and 16 which is which yeah crazy like so the eight weeks is probably like it's probably much more above and beyond than what you need i believe so i believe so yeah they extend it so that's even four weeks in or it was in my six weekend so i was still taking the pills there was two weeks left of my treatment i'd got my viral load test done which is they tell you how much hepatitis c is in your blood and i was at zero at that point like there was no, there was no, that is fucking crazy. We live in it. We live in a time where, dude, we live in it. Like that's a cure for a fucking disease. That's, yeah. that's that. So they say it's so 99%. Ri- when's the last time you heard of that? When was the last time you've heard, uh, Oh, by the way, this disease, 99% curable. Now that, Which, dude, I don't think I've ever heard of that of no. any disease in my mm-hmm. life. Well, this came up the, like just two or three weeks ago. When I knew that we were going to talk, because we we had had uh, Brandon scheduled for an episode weeks and weeks ago, mm-hmm. and then just scheduling stuff got messed up, and we and we pushed it back. But so that I've known that we we're going to interview, and I know what we're going to talk about. And I'm watching football one day, and a commercial comes on. It's like, do you have hepatitis C? Do you want to get rid of it 99% positively? And I was like, what? That's the commercial. They're like, excuse me. Imagine you have hepatitis C. Hello, Taylor. Do you have hepatitis C? Guess what? Would you like to get rid of it? That's what, a, that's what drug commercials are like. Guess do you yeah. have this? Yeah, dude. Would you like to not have that? <laughs> Imagine that for cancer, though. I, that's yeah. what I'm saying. It's like, that's, it's mind-blowing. But, but this is the thing. Like, There's so many strains of hepatitis C. If you don't have this main strain, you're fucked. Well, that's like, well, that's like, that's treat certain. Yeah. It will only treat the main type. It's the same type. It's, dude, that's like Kaleidico A or something. There's a pill out there called Kaleidico that if you have, it's one of the rarest gene genetic mutations of CF. If you have that mutation, I think there's something fucking crazy. Like only like 50 Canadians have it. If you have that genetic mutation and you get on Kaleidico, it's kind of like Harvoni for Kaleidico Mm -hmm. or for CF. It's, it's, so crazy. I mean, it's, it's, it's like a, it's not a cure of the disease, but like it, it nullifies any of the, any of the, anything that's happening, the effects, yeah. you know, that's pretty which wild. is pretty much a fucking cure, which is yeah. fucking crazy. It is a cure, Absolutely. Yeah. But guess how much Kaleidico cost? How much? $350,000 a fucking bottle. Yeah. Dude, we, that's so we got, that, in, we got into this conversation, Taylor and Jeremy and I got into the conversation a few weeks ago about how much is your life worth? And it's, it's basically, it it was a conversation that I heard on another podcast, basically talking about the cure, the, the dollar amount for different pills for different cures, cures or different diseases. And they were saying like, is this worth it? And, and can the, how do the companies get off how much your life is worth, you know? And you know what? They, it was a really unbiased way that they talked about it. And they talked about it in the sense that oftentimes the research that and development that goes into finding these drugs will last tens or 20, 20, 20 years and, until the pill actually how many people are working a, on, yeah. on doing that, right? The amount yeah. of people that are putting their hours in to do that. And so well, they're that's oftentimes the cost not of a, seeing like, that's the cost of a drug. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, and, and it's oftentimes it sounds like that's a ridiculous amount of money to pay, but like it is how much it costs yeah, in, a lot of, it, yeah. in a lot of, how much in a lot of, in a lot of ways. We don't really you know, know unless we break down the financials. What yeah. Each individual yeah. I think, I think it's, doing, I think, yeah, I think it's like, and, and I'm sure we, they're making tons of money. I mean, when I worked in, yeah. in Dubai and was running corporate events, how many drug companies did I run hundred thousand yeah. dollar events for that were like, 
do they really need to be spending that much money on playing games with each other? Yeah. But they can. they can. So, they can. So, and something else that came up in that same conversation was the was in, in, on the topic of money and what a what a pill is worth or what a drug is worth is that that uh, that dirtbag CEO that uh, yeah, his the, investment company bought guy. his investment company bought uh, or he, he runs he runs a hedge fund I think a hedge fund company and they bought an AIDS pill an AIDS drug that is essential to AIDS patients. And the price of the pill was low. Like it was like $15 a pill. That's what it worked out to. And he raised the cost of that to something like $750 per pill from, yeah. from 15. And there was this huge backlash and he goes, he was on uh, some talk show and he said, well, if someone gave you an Aston Martin and you wanted to sell it, would you sell it for the price of an Aston Martin or would you sell it for the price of a bicycle? And the person was like, um, yeah. I hate you. Yeah. Martin, yeah. And his name, if you want to, if you want to Google it, his name is Martin Screlly and he's a fucking a douche. Yeah. He's a, he's a nightmare. Uh, and then there was another drug company and I didn't look into that, but I heard, or I saw on the, they've remade the, the drug. Someone else has remade the drug and is selling it for the price. Yeah. It was originally. Like a, or like, huh. cra- like a crazy, nice. it's even discounted more. It's like cheaper, like yeah. a dollar or $2. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so let's awesome. let's get back into in, into talking about yeah. So you're taking the Harboni. Your your uh, your your levels like your your Liver's viral great. levels go fucking down to nothing. Yeah. But now you're at a point now. Correct me if I'm wrong. Where you are one treatment away from getting that confirmation that you are cured. Right now. Yeah. Today. Yeah. So. Uh, you do post like post treatment blood work. Uh, this is f- two weeks, four weeks, eight weeks, and twelve weeks. So I did my two week, I did my four week, I did my eight week, and all those blood tests showed that I had zero viral load in my blood. And I did the twelve week, but instead of taking the viral load count, they just did like to see if you've ever had contact with the virus. So they took the wrong blood work, and then. I went back to do it again. <laughs> the one last, like the, last, the last one, one where you're like, am I cured? And they go, oh, oh, sorry. 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 And then <laughs> so it took the wrong blood. Again, got the blood work done a second time. And the same girl, I went to the same blood oh, clinic, no. the same girl taking the work. And I'm like, yeah, last time you took my blood work, you took the wrong, you took the wrong vial. You did the wrong oh, no. blood test. And she's like, oh, okay, I'll do it the right this time. A week and a half goes by. Call the Hep C clinic. I'm like, yeah, the clinic in Edmonton. Yeah, how's it going? You know, did you get the results? They're like, yeah. So it's weird because you had the same test done two weeks ago, and they did the same test (laughs) again, but it's the wrong test. That's the hospital's equivalent of sending your food back in a restaurant instead of instead of her spitting in your food. She's like, oh really? I fucked up that last one. Oh, you're gonna tell me how to do my job? Here's a middle finger to your health. Do that again, (laughs) and and I'll spit in the vial this time. You test positive for semen. (laughs) (laughs) Blood, yeah, your blood has a lot of semen in it. Uh, Sorry, not sorry. Okay. Okay, So so then did you go back? Well, this was I was in Calgary. This was in this was in July. The first one I got done July. Second one I got done in August. Third one I got done. I went to do it again, and I put it off for a long time because every time I went back to get that final blood work, it was like I was being diagnosed again. Like I'm sitting there waiting. Like, so it's such a scary, like, okay, are they going to tell me that it's back again? Are they going to tell me I don't have it? Like, please just tell me that I fucking beat it. And did you have that same feeling with the other times you got your blood work done? Or no, it was just because it was the last time. It was the yeah. last like, this one. is the time that determines yeah. right. if I've beat this or not. And they kept fucking it up. And I think them fucking it up just made me even more like, Oh my god! Like something's wrong. Yeah. Like this is not mm. good. And so I did it again. I got my blood work taken again three weeks ago at the clinic here in Halifax. And they're in the process. The clinic I go to is in the process of changing over from paper to oh my electronical. <laughs> and so they're like, "We'll have your results in a week." And I go back in. I'm like, yeah, where's my results? And they're like, "Oh, we don't. They didn't show. We don't have them. But we're in the process of transferring stuff over, so we can. We we don't know how to get them." And I'm like, "Oh my god, oh, man!" So do you Call have next to, time? I do go you have to, to do another doctor. blood test, or 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 are you just going to wait until they get that stuff transferred over to the e files? I don't know. Like I'm 99. Like it's ninety nine percent sure you get cured. I'm like ninety nine percent sure I am cured. Are you so are you just gonna roll with it? Like are you just gonna be like, know. yeah, I'm and cured I'm until you well, turn I'm, yellow. I go to the doctor quite often because I'm like I want to you know make sure I'm healthy. And but they next time I go, if he doesn't have my blood results, like I'm gonna fucking just. 
cut my vein on the table and be like, take it again. <laughs> Do it now. I'm waiting here until you get the results. Like, that's it. I'm not leaving. Yeah. Like, I need to know. And But I'm, I'm pretty sure, like, two weeks, four weeks, eight weeks, you know, I had zero viral load. And, you know, because I was lazy at the time, my 12-week, my eight-week one was more like 11 weeks. Right. My post-eight-week was more like right. 11 weeks, and it was zero. So, like, I was very close to having that post-12, but now... I'm waiting for it still. Um, yeah, so it's just that you're just waiting for that final nail. Yeah, in the and to put it to like, like, you know, like it's kind of let me out of the coffin yeah, again. It's almost yeah. safe to say that you've been cured from yeah. a previously uncurable, un, uncurable disease. Well, they've had a treatment for Hep C for a while. I don't know how many years. Maybe 15 years. Is inter they use interferon, which I guess is a drug they use for cancer we're, patients. We're familiar right, with that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Our um, friend Layton takes or took interferon. Uh, interferon is a really hard drug yeah. like it really is hard on you some people lose their hair they just you know the normal chemo side effects kind of thing you lose your hair you lose weight you can't eat um and so this was uh, what i originally thought i was going to have to take and then they came with this new harvonius was awesome but the cure ratio for interferon and hep c was only like 65 percent yeah which i mean which is like that's a pretty good number but that's yeah. also a big chunk of yeah, that's 35 percent of everyone yeah, yeah. that does it doesn't yeah, succeed exactly. and then if you have failed treatment you can never do it again in t- in, oh, wow. see that's fucked yeah that right like in, in talks about a cure for a disease from a drug well that's that's amazing 60 mm-hmm. for like four percent or whatever you said but that aspect of yeah. you try it doesn't work well sorry so i think now that we've kind of gone through the hep c part the the how did you get addicted to heroin? Fuck, man. That was a hard question. It was right? it was quick. It was really quick. Because uh, you were young. Dude, I was young. Like, I was you, like 16. You said that the... Um, was 16 the first... The age at which you, which you first used heroin? Yeah, you were, it was also... So 16 was the... It was Well, I started on hydromorphone, like the lauded. Yeah. But well, I would shoot them. Before... And, I mean, before you get into that, we all know that marijuana is a gateway drug. So, like... A I, lot, think, uh, I think marijuana... Uh, did you start... You yeah. started smoking weed, didn't you? Definitely. Well, I started smoking it's, weed this when is I was why. like 11. Yep. So that's why. Me, it's all I don't marijuana. think marijuana is... A, I think marijuana is a gateway drug to sitting on the couch and eating bag <laughs> yeah, like of chips. Yeah, yeah. Like, I never, oh, ever God. did a drug for the first time after I had smoked weed. Like, I loved doing ecstasy when I was like... Like, it's actually crazy because I did ecstasy when I was 16 the first time. I did coke for the first time when I was 16. I did shrooms for the first time. I did acid for the first time. What I did was the first downer. drug you ever did? I smoked weed. Okay, no, no, no. I smoked marijuana. What was the first drug you ever did? Coke. Okay. Coke was the first drug I ever did. Uh, I believe so. Yeah, probably Coke or MDMA. It okay. was around the same couple days, and sure. I did Coke, and then I was like, yeah, let's do MDMA. And then so in the next kinda, few months, I was doing them every day. You kind of had uh, the mentality that, like, oh, I'll try anything once. I'll try, I'll, or maybe not even once, but I'll try Honestly, I'll, I'll try, try anything. anything. I'll try anything twice. Um <laughs> you know, Jeremy had said to me last night, he'll try anything once. And I said, well, I'll try anything twice because, you know, your first song wasn't your favorite song. Wasn't your favorite the first time you heard it. Um, and <laughs> I think so that's, I think that's what makes me and you different is I try everything once and you try everything twice. And now you're, well, maybe I, didn't, yeah, straight up, I didn't like it the first time. Well, I might as well try it again. Uh, just cause maybe I had a bad time. It's like, you know, you have a, you eat a cookie or a piece of pizza. Like you get a piece sliced from down the street and it was a bad pizza. You don't know. Oh, I hate that pizza place. Well, try it again. Maybe it's going to be all right. So that's didn't like cracked the first time you tried it maybe try it again it's not really so bad <laughs> yeah right you know well, it is actually crack is really bad don't do, don't that. do that that's what don't happened to you so with your entire heroin addiction it's but no like, heroin i loved it the first time i did <laughs> i thought you were gonna say that like every time it's been bad so you're you continue to try it hoping that one time it'll be good it's good no never no, it was good every time heaven, isn't um, it? yeah but yes. no it was because i never i didn't do heroin until i had been already shooting up every day and a lot of people i guess nova scotia there's not heroin here it's very difficult to get heroin so people do like hillbilly heroin they consider you know prescription pills and still shooting still shooting yeah yeah injection injecting a lot of people you know started start sniffing and sniff and then will eventually lead to shooting some people will never shoot they'll only sniff but because the experience of doing one versus the other is different Right? Totally, totally different. The high, once you're at that knot, like you've been high for like a 20, half, you've been high for a half an hour, that high is very similar, but the injection high right away is very, very different. It's, it's unlike anything, you know, um, it's like a thousand times better than an orgasm, I would think, but I just, before we go any farther with talking about this, I want to preface that it's, it's that you are 
you're totally cool with talking about yeah, this. Yeah, that's that's what I was going that you don't feel that like you yeah, when like you're talk, talking about you, how good it is when you talk about it doesn't make you want to you talk no. about it like you like you own it like yeah, you talk about it like you've got it and it's like well, it's like and you know at a different part in my life it might have not been like that um but it like now I'm fine with talking about it because I have I know I did it I know like I had my fun even though some of it mo- a lot of it wasn't fun it was fucking just miserable and depressing and the only reason you're doing it every day is so that you're not sick and it's the only thing that makes you feel like happy, um, which is really depressing to think. Yeah. And now I don't mind talking about it. Like I'm fine. Cause I know I don't ever want to fucking do that again. It ruined my life up countless times, you know, and I'm not at, like, I don't know if anyone's ever read the book, a million little pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, that guy in that book, like he was, like I said, ended up being a lie or something, but you know, that guy's a drug addict for like 20 years, 25 years of being an active drug addict. You know, I didn't have that many years, but I sure has had a lot of really shitty experiences yeah. doing it. Are you now, are you, is there anything else that you have been addicted to or, or feel like, you know, you, you have, uh, you could be swayed to being addicted to? Like, are you, a, are you a naturally addictive person or was it I'm only a, really drugs I, that you got addicted first, to? You know, I am a very all or nothing kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, like. If I'm going, if I'm going to do something like I'm going to put my fucking all into it, whether that is, you know, sports or education or, you know, sticking needles in your arm, um, I'm going to fucking do, do my all. And cause you were saying you're pretty, you're like, you have a 4.0 GPA right now. You're in school yeah. and you're killing it. Yeah. Which is, which is really awesome. And it's really great. It is a really good self-confidence booster to see how shitty I was fucking doing, you know, a year and a half ago. And now, you know, I'm back in school. I'm 210 pounds. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that because so, so you used to, you used to be a hardcore heroin addict like a year ago. And now you're sitting years ago and now you're, and now you're sitting here Mm -hmm. getting a 4.0 GPA in university. How? It was a couple. It was a couple moments. Uh, one was in. It was in Calgary. I had, was in a relationship with someone. I had met this really nice family. Everything was great. My life was perfect. I had been clean for you know about three months, four months. Had a weekend of relapsing, uh, and lost that part of my life. I lost those people, that family, the relationship that I was in, and it really kind of set set in with me that like fuck like this stuff has now you know it's ruined my relationship with my family it's ruined every relation with friends with girlfriends with everything like i've ever had i finally once again had something great going and i fucked it up because i wanted to go stick a needle in my arm for what to be high for a couple hours and you know so i could sleep basically so i could yeah. dr- lean like sleep on a couch and drool on myself like it, it what wasn't the, the fuck was that for it wasn't the potential death of yourself it was the fact that you realized that it was relationships that it was just everything fucking like friends up so. and just n- not even my like life like living but just my life of like experiences like it was ruining my chance to have like a decent you know life i guess yeah. like relationships and healthy living and school and education and jobs and just like the normal things that people consider life. It was ruining those for me. And you were checking, you checked yourself into some type of program or re, like to get clean? Yeah. Um, well, at that point I had been living in Calgary. I had, when it was on methadone again, and I kind of said, you know, enough is enough. I had gotten high again in May once, regretted the fuck out of it. Um, and then came home the end of this summer and said, you know, enough is enough. I'm going back to school. I got to do it and came home started actually the 12 step program, which I had almost looked down upon my whole life of using. And I had, had, you know, doctors and everyone say, well, go to 12 steps, you know, do the, do, do the 12 steps. You'll like it. It'll be good for you. It'll help you. And I just thought, well, that's stupid. Like people that like God, like, you know, I was raised Catholic, but I don't believe like, no, there's no man in the clouds looking down, judging me. Like this is the one chance I have. And I went to the 12 step program as soon as I got back from Calgary in August. And you know, I had already been clean, but I was desperate to stay clean. And it changed my experience. The people that I went in the group with, they weren't, you know, religious. They weren't like Jesus fanatics. They were just, it was about finding your own higher power and having faith in something. And for me, that faith came in, you know, trusting that the universe is going to take care of me. And, you know, the it's things are going to happen the way they're meant to, but eventually everything's going to be all right. And whether that is, you know, just being an optimist, an optimist or, you know, being closed minded, but it was, it, it's just nice. It's nice to have faith that things are going to be all right and not think that everything sucks. 
Um, now, is this a program something that you will uh, have to take, like, or will want to take part in for the rest of your life? Is it something that you'll constantly, will you go to meetings? Like, Yeah, I think so. Like right now, you know, I go to a couple meetings a week. Uh, I was working the steps. I'm on my step eight or nine, which is actually right now I'm in the step of making amends. So you have to make amends to anyone that you feel you have harmed or hurt or, you know, done something wrong to in your act, act of addiction. Who was um, the last person you reached out to? To make my amends. I actually am just on the step like this week. Who are you going to reach out to? Um, probably family first. Um, actually, uh, Chris McPherson. You know Chris McPherson? I do yeah. know Chris. Uh, it's his yeah. brother, George. Uh, I worked there at the car dealership with them, uh, and he had wrote me a check on one of my commissions on a car that he sold for, you know, eight grand. He gave me like 300 on it, on it. And I took the check and there was another empty check on his desk and I wrote another one out for the same amount of money and took it and cashed it. And the bank noticed that it was, it was like, there was something wrong with it. And so he tried to take the money. He took the money back. They like automatically took it back out of my account. And he called and asked me, like, what was up, and I fucking told him, like, yeah. no, I didn't do that. You're oh. fucked. You gave me that check. It had been sitting in my bag for, like, a few weeks. And, like, so I does he know? It. I don't know. I don't know if he knows. So what are you going to say? I assume he knows. What like, I, like he, when he, they hired me, they knew I was, like, a drug addict yeah. before. What are you going to When you know. call him, what are you going to say? I don't know. I'd most likely go see him in person. I think a phone call is not enough to be sincere. And you're going to yeah. just tell him, like, like straight the, up, the I truth? Was, I was a... a loser drug addict is that I, I apologize is that like the idea of that is that hard for you you know what i mean no. like like looking back at, at the sh- shitty things that have happened and the things that you've done it, how hard is it to own up to that S- some stuff is really hard like the s- the step work you know i've done the therapies and the rehabs and the the replacement supplement therapies and the drug addiction therapies and all this. I've done all these other things and psychologists and psychiatrists and none of them had ever really done anything to make me feel whole, like a, like a normal person. And doing the 12 steps was a lot about self-reflection and, you know, looking back at the shitty things you've done and, you know, what you've done to hurt other people. And that's made you not a good person. And, you know, you act step four is actually you look at a lot of you, you write down all the things that people have done to you, the resentments, you write down all your resentments towards people or things or institutions. And then you go into your fears of why you resent those things and what you're fearful of. And it was actually really crazy to do that and to see that all the things that you resent and that you hate about people, um, you know, hate is a strong word, but yeah, the things you hate about people, you know, really boil down to what you're f- afraid of. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of my fears were just of rejection and, you know, like living alone and being just never accomplishing anything. Well, that's the power of that program versus the, the treatments is that, yeah. is that when you take a treatment, a drug treatment for addiction, you're saying, I'm going to, I'm going to let something outside of me do the work to fix me Yeah. versus I'm going to look inside me and fix myself. I'm going to, I'm going to find the issue and I'm going to fix it myself. But, and but, have faith that I will stay better. Yeah. yeah but I, I think also too, you have to realize that when you're addicted to a drug, there's a physiological thing that's happening that no, I, you probably need, which is why you are, drug, you also, exactly. because you're exactly. doing this in conjunction with having a methadone. Yeah. A yeah. Methadone. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Doing the two together. so I'm, I'm decreasing my methadone dose consistently. Almost every two weeks I go down and dose, I'm on, I'm on 30 right now, which is the dose that they start you at when you go on the program. So I'm very close to being off it. And, you know, I've never felt better in the last few months of just being happy. Like I was clean for a while there and wasn't, you know, didn't, hadn't do the steps, wasn't doing anything, but was still very miserable. Like was very, very depressed, you know, don't get out of bed for days. And it's really nice to just feel clarity again and feel like a normal human and be happy and you know enjoy the things that other people enjoy because there's a long time with depression and the addiction that i thought i will never enjoy you know going to school again i will never enjoy learning i will never enjoy you know walking down downtown on a nice evening like those are things i don't find joy in. like they don't bring me happiness and it's nice to feel those things again and to feel just you know enlightenment from just normal things that other people also enjoy. Yeah. So what's, what's different than, than now versus when the times before you ended up relapsing and when you were feeling that depression, how did you get to that? To me, the big thing this time was 
you know, my doctor, my methadone doctor said, you should go to CA. It'll be good for you. And I, he said, you know, this program has worked for hundreds of thousands of people in the last hundred years. Like what There's makes something about it? What yeah. makes you so special yeah. that it's not going to work for you? Yeah, that's powerful. And it, it, it I, that's how I see it. Like, <laughs> and anyone that sh- looks down on it now, I'm like, what makes you so special that this isn't going to work for you? Right. Yeah. Is there anything you would like to say to anyone who's listening right now who might be dealing with addiction or might be dealing with the like freshly being diagnosed with Hep C or anything at all? You know. um, Addiction sucks. Like it's a terrible, terrible road to go down. And when you're in that act of addiction, how, you know, useless and powerless you feel that, you know, no one is there to support you. And I know there is some people that have addiction and they may have no one there for support, but you know, there is programs in place. There is, you know, there are 12 step programs in every single country in the world and every province in North America. And, Every state in, you know, there's every province in Canada has a 12-step program. Every state in the U.S. has a 12-step program. Like, they're there. They work. There's people that care about you and are there to support you. And, you know, it's it's just not worth it to to be an active using drug addict. Cool. It's not not worth it at all. Well, dude, thanks for... Thanks for, you know, fucking sharing your story. I feel like we could have talked. Definitely. We, we could have gone on for, for a little longer. Yeah. 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 Um, Thanks uh, for having me. I very much appreciate yeah. being on here. We appreciate nice. it a lot. Thank you. Uh, that's it for today. Uh, thank you so much for listening. If you dug it, make sure you go on iTunes. Give us a little star rating. Give us a little review. Five star. Rating. Five stars. Uh, go to Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter, at Podcast. And uh, if you want to stay up to date with what the fuck we're up to, Facebook or our website, sickboypodcast.com. Uh, have a great day, everybody. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jeremy. And this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.